0: Everyone, welcome to Soulmates Podcast. This is Emily,
1: and this is Rachel.
0: Today we are reverting back to our thirteen-year-old selves because we're going to talk about turning red. Yeah, I'm sure people have an idea of what we were like <laughs> at thirteen, and they would be right. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Every assumption you have is correct.
0: <laughs> Every single one. A couple of episodes back in our archive, I know we had talked about our formative nerd experiences, and we both found out that we had notebooks of just printouts of hot anime boys <laughs> <laughs> that we just had. I didn't realize that other people did this weird thing that I did when I was like 12 and 13.
1: <laughs> it's- our binders of anime
0: boys. <laughs> binders for the boys <laughs> that's why turning red struck such a chord for me but i will say that you don't need to be like a millennial woman who likes anime to relate to this movie because that seems to be the ongoing conversation is that this movie is unrelatable but Rachel, have you ever watched a movie where you didn't relate to anything, but were still entertained? Yeah, literally all the time. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) And we'll get into that after we talk about the plot of Turning Red. So this is a spoiler episode. If you don't want any spoilers, just fast forward all the way to the end. But let's get into it now. Turning Red is the newest Pixar movie, and it's directed by Domi Shi. She was the creator of... Bow the short film, and I don't remember what that was in front of, but it was so cute.
1: Yeah. Was it Coco?
0: Maybe. It was one of the shorts. Yeah. And this movie was released on Disney Plus on March 11th, 2022, so it is relatively new. And it was originally going to be released in theaters, but Omicron happened and then they pulled it, like, I think December or January, then they decided it was only going to be on Disney Plus despite the fact that the numbers for Omicron have now, like, plummeted. Yeah. I felt like that was kind of a bummer, because I totally would have seen this in theaters. Yeah. <sighs>
1: what's she gonna do? It seems like, with the waves, everything's always, like, a little bit behind. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have seen it in the movie theaters, too. Masked up, but, you know, I would have sat there.
0: So, let's get into the Turning Red story. It is set in 2002, and it's all about Mei Lin or May- She's a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl. She's living in Toronto. May helps to take care of her family's temple, which is dedicated to their ancestor, Sun Yi, and is like the typical try-hard nerdy girl in trying to make her family proud. And she hides her personal interests from her mom, like her and her best friends, Miriam, Priya, and Abby, are totally obsessed with this boy band called Four Town. And I just love that the... The fandom name for Four Town is Four Townies. <laughs> that yeah. was so funny. <laughs> I can relate to being a nerdy girl who never felt like she was living up to her parents' expectations. That hit home for me.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also think that middle school was the time, and especially late middle school, mm-hmm. was like the first time I was actively keeping things secret from my parents so like i wasn't telling them everything about everything which is a stark contrast to like when you're younger you tell your parents everything because you're buddy buddy with them but as you start to get older and in middle school i'm sure everyone can relate to this you just don't want to be around your parents they're embarrassing you just want to be your own person and you start to keep secrets from your parents Not always serious ones. Like I wasn't, you know, hiding the fact that I was like having sex or anything like that. But, you know, I wasn't telling them every single detail of my life. Yeah. And I don't know if that was to portray that I was perfect necessarily. But definitely things were being hidden at that point.
0: I mean, that's about the time that I was getting into anime and other nerdy Mm -hmm. things. And my parents just did not get it Mm -hmm. at all. They didn't understand it. I remember trying to explain to them what it was, but even then, I wasn't entirely sure what it was, and there just being this giant disconnect, so I never really took the time to explain my interests to them, and I kind of just kept it not exactly hidden, but I would say, oh, I'm gonna go watch a TV show with my friend.
1: Yeah, oh my god. I'm gonna take y'all back in time for a moment. (laughs) tell you about a scenario that happened when I was in eighth grade. So it might have been ninth grade, honestly. But I um, went to Blockbuster with my dad. (laughs) This is dating me. I went to Blockbuster with my dad. And I saw that they had the Samurai X OVAs in the store. And I was like, dad, I would really like to watch this. And he was like... Yeah, sure, okay, just pick one. So I picked <laughs> So I picked one and we go home to the first house I ever lived in in Florida. And we're watching it on like a big box television. So I put in the cassette. And then my dad proceeds to sit there and watch it with me. <laughs> and he's just like, This is really sad and disturbing. <laughs> and I was just like, Yeah. <laughs> It was the most awkward watching experience I've ever had with a parent. Not sex scenes. That one, that particular <laughs> watching was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done.
0: <laughs> we have to do a separate like episode about tales from Blockbuster. <laughs> I have at least two really good stories involving anime, Blockbuster, and parents. Oh my god.
1: It's just chef kiss.
0: One of them involved straight up hentai.
1: So y'all don't know. You get so much (laughs) access to streaming and all this stuff you can watch in secret on your laptop or your phone in your room. Like this is a VHS. You have to watch in your living room with your parents (laughs) and you have a very limited and often very fucking weird selection at a store (laughs) to pick from.
0: So I'm going to save those stories for a separate episode where we could talk about Blockbuster. So getting back to turning red. Right. (laughs) So May has a crush on a local convenience store clerk who is a very cute K-pop looking boy. And her mom finds out because she finds these sexy drawings that May had hidden under her bed that she drew. And I was like, whew, that also brings me back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: when you draw your O.C. with your favorite anime boy.
0: <laughs> T. <Tea. laughs> so her mom finds these drawings and basically is like, what did this boy do to you? Thinking the worst. And she goes to the convenience store and is like, stay away from my daughter. And May is so utterly embarrassed. Oh, so she brings mortified. the drawings with
1: her, by the way. And like slams them on the counter for everyone to see.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... After nearly dying of embarrassment, Mei wakes up the next day and she has turned into a gigantic red panda. She initially tries to hide this and her parents think that she got her period and hijinks ensue. She discovers that she really only transforms into the giant panda when she's in a very high state of emotion. But eventually her parents find out because it is really hard to hide the fact that you are a giant panda.
1: Mm -hmm. So Ming and Jin, it's- May's mom and dad they explain at this point to May, who's like why the fuck am I a giant red panda um (laughs) that Sun Yi (laughs) was granted this transformation to protect her daughters and every female family member since then has also transformed when they came of age not only do you get a period you also get to turn into a red panda Obviously, that has become inconvenient and dangerous in the modern age. So the red panda spirit has to be sealed in a talisman by a ritual on the night of the red moon.
0: It's a whole to-do.
1: Yeah. So, of course, the next red moon is a month from that point on.
0: That just sounds like a euphemism for your period. Like, ah, the red moon is rising. It
1: does. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) So, May's friends eventually discover her transformation after she, like, you know, bounces out of school and is like hiding in her room and they break in and they see her as a red panda. But they actually really like the red panda. They're not scared of the red panda. They it's super weird. They, in fact, um Abby, one of Mae's friends is like, oh
0: my God, it's so cute. <laughs> she has the cute aggression like I do for baby Yoda.
1: That was honestly my reaction too. So with her friend's help, she finds out that concentrating on her friend's, Helps control the red panda within her because it calms her down. They're like her support system.
0: Yeah. So when I was that age, I think my friends were like the most important thing to me ever. I didn't have any kind of boyfriend or anything like that. The friendships for a tween slash early teen girl are very intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They are your main support system because you're at that age where you are keeping things from your parents, you're trying to be your own person, you know, you're going through all these bodily changes, you're starting to be more interested in sex or romance, or if you're not, then you're just having, you know, hair grow from places it never grew. Yep. (laughs) And it's intense. I just remember always being in some kind of, like, clique of, like, three or four girls. And mm-hmm. we were always, like, really, really tight until something, you know, would happen and people would fight. And then a year later, you're in a new clique and they're your best friends ever. Right. <laughs> and the cycle continues.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely had, like, a core group of friends throughout middle school. In middle school, it really is very tough to just exist. You almost form these cliques in like a safety thing Mm because it seems like everyone is trying to like embarrass the other or like just to seem you know cooler to like establish that hierarchy so yeah i would definitely say my friends were a very strong support group in middle school definitely way more than my family (laughs) not that that's their fault that's just how middle school goes yeah i was lucky enough not to get my period in middle school so i didn't have that stacked on top of everything else but it definitely did still make me feel weird that i didn't get it
0: (laughs) I got my period I think in the eighth grade. So like right at the end of middle school. In the eighth grade, oh my god, so much angst. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think I think eighth grade was worse than all of high school. It's just that volatile age where yeah. I I literally was thirteen in Eighth grade. Right. And your body's changing, your mind's changing, like the world changes how it sees you, especially if you are femme or a woman. Mm -hmm. Your whole life changes. When you turn 13.
1: And not to mention, like, at that point, we had no idea that our emotions were being so heavily controlled by, like, the literal raging hormones inside our body. Like, now that I'm older, I can recognize the fact that, oh, I'm very irritable because I'm at this point in my cycle. But at that point you don't fucking know and you're you just feel insane because you feel like your emotions are all over the place so you're just like wildly fluctuating between like you know being really excited and happy to like horny which is a weird <laughs> like thing to feel and then you're also just angry all the time and you're embarrassed it's yeah
0: i was so horny but I was totally uninterested in sex <laughs> Like, I was horny for having, like, a boyfriend. Yeah. I was not interested in sex until late in my teens. And before then, I was like, I just want someone who I can hang out with and hold and we can watch movies together. And I'm like, Emily, you wanted a friend you actually like.
1: (laughs) Horny for friendship.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The things I would tell my younger self. (laughs) Back to turning red. So because she can control her emotions, May's parents allow her to go back to school and see her friends, but they say that she cannot go to Four Towns' upcoming concert. So May and her friends hatch up a scheme to make money so that they can buy tickets. And I could not believe in 2002, these tickets were $200 a piece. That is crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much Backstreet Boys tickets were going for back then. I feel like it was about the same. If I had a child, I wouldn't want to pay, you know, $400. Right. Or I'd
1: be like Miriam's parents who are like, yeah, you can go, but you got to find the money to get the ticket yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So to raise the money, they basically exploit May's panda transformation. People find the red panda so adorable. They're taking Polaroid pictures with them they're selling like little red panda charms. They're racking up the money on character goods. She attends a birthday party for their like remaining money to get the $800. And May ends up becoming so pissed off at this party that she attacks Tyler who uh this was his party. And she ends up scaring the other kids. May's parents come and take her home, and they're very upset with her. And May's mom blames her friends. She's like, How could you exploit my daughter like this? You are horrible friends. And May does not come to her friend's defense, mm-hmm. which causes a giant rift between May and her friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that just calls back to what you were talking about earlier, Emily, that you're very tight with the clique until something happens.
0: Mm -hmm. in middle school. In
1: in this case, her friends, they don't, like, break up or anything. But, you know, stuff like that happens. And if you don't stand up for your friends, then shit goes down.
0: Yeah, and May is always trying to win her mom's approval. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, I thought it was so poignant when she's like, I couldn't give up my mom's approval. You know, it was too much. And she realizes that was wrong.
1: Right. Growth. (laughs) (laughs) So May's grandmother, in the midst of all this and her aunts come up to assist her in the ritual to May's mother's dismay. His, May's mom is like, no, please don't come, please don't go. They end up coming anyways. <laughs> as May prepares herself, her dad finds video she took of herself as the red panda with her friends and sees that she's having so much fun and goes and sits in her room. At this point, I was sobbing furiously in my house. He tells her that she should not be ashamed Of that side of her that is, you know, goofing and joking around and all that stuff because obviously she doesn't show that at home. So during the ritual, as May's red panda form is about to be sealed, she actually ends up deciding to keep her powers and abandons the ritual to attend the concert at the Sky Dome. She meets up with her friends and they end up forgiving her for her actions at the party. And they discover that Tyler, who's been kind of an antagonist this whole time, is also a four-town fan.
0: (laughs) He's- In the community. He's in the community. (laughs) He's a four-townie.
1: Yeah. However, during her escape from the temple, Mei inadvertently damaged her mom's talisman and an enraged Ming transforms into a truly kaiju-sized red panda and disrupts the four-town concert, intending to take Mei back by force. When I saw the mom's talisman break, I turned to Fabian and I'm like, I bet she's like three times the size of Mei's panda. Because in the movie, the father says that, you know, her mom's panda is huge. So I was like, I bet it's at least three times. And then when they hit that scene, Fabian's like, get the fuck out of here.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was like, she's literally a kaiju. <laughs> Well, they kept saying that, oh, her mom was like so out of control when she had her panda that she became so enraged that she damaged the temple. I feel like it's proportionate to her rage. Yeah, and her rage is immense. (laughs) So Mei and Ming argue about Mei's independence and they're, they're just fighting it, like literally fighting. And Mei accidentally knocks her mom unconscious and they're like, okay, we have to do the ritual now so that we can put the panda back into a talisman because this is a giant kaiju and we cannot have her be like this. Her grandma and all the aunties break their talismans and they all form into red pandas to drag the mom back into a new ritual circle. May's mm-hmm. friends and Four Town all join together and sing because you have to sing. To complete the ritual, they say that like it doesn't matter what you sing as long as it comes from the heart. So Town is singing their little song while the aunties are singing a Cantonese song. And I thought it sounded really cool together yeah. when they, they meshed them together. This sends all of the women into the astral plane. Everyone except May goes through the portal and separates from their red panda spirit. When May is in the astral plane, it looks like a bamboo forest mm-hmm. and she comes across her mom and it's her mom at 13 and she is crying and she is very upset. She says that she hurt her mom and she's afraid and she's angry. And May tells the spirit of her mom that she needs to forgive herself and she helps her across the portal. And by this time, I was crying. Me too. (laughs) I was like, the generational trauma. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if we want to get too into generational trauma because this episode could get really fucking long. Yeah. But everyone has it. Everyone's mom definitely has it, Mm -hmm. especially if your mom's a baby boomer. Mm -hmm. They have so much trauma, (laughs) y'all. So much trauma, especially when it comes to body image and weight. Yeah. We could have like a four hour long podcast on our moms (laughs) (laughs) and that. Yeah. (laughs) And how that has affected us, but we won't because that's a little heavy. Yeah. However, it's just something that really connected with me and made me cry in my living room.
1: Yep, there was a lot of crying at the end of this movie, just warning you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so in the end, all of the pandas, except for Maze, are sent to their own astral plane slash are in talismans. The grandma's is like this four-town pendant, which I laughed at. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. which she is not pleased about, but I think it's hilarious. (laughs)
0: Imagine, like, the spirit of your red panda is in a NCT light stick. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. May and her mom end up forgiving each other, realizing that no one can be perfect, that everyone has their own faults, and May uses her panda to help the family's temple. It is now more popular than ever, and May's parents loosen their reins a little and let her go off with her friends. And realize that their daughter is growing up and it ends in a really good place where May and her friends are on good terms and now Tyler is a part of their group and no one questions this magical red panda. (laughs) Yeah. No one questions the magic in this movie. Nope. I thought it was great. I thought the Four Town songs were really fun. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely reminiscent of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. However, I can just tell that the way that they were modeled was definitely after K-pop. 100%.
1: 100%.
0: I know Domi She is a shiny fan. Mm-hmm. So I see you, girl. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a K-pop group through and through. I just thought that was a really fun part of it. Were you into boy bands? I... Really liked In Sync and Backstreet Boys.
1: Yeah, I think I listened mostly to the Backstreet Boys.
0: No, ninety-eight degrees.
1: No, it was mainly just the uh, Backstreet Boys. A lot of Shania Twain also.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, so much Shania Twain. <laughs> Is that why we're gay?
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: <laughs> oh God. So I feel like this movie got a lot of flack online for being quote unrelatable and obviously you and i related to this quite a bit but i saw criticism that it's like if you're not an asian woman who is a millennial you won't like this because it's not for you when does something have to be for you for you to appreciate it for what it is i'm not a paleontologist but i still like jurassic park literally almost every
1: single movie doesn't pass the Bechtel test so no i don't see myself in most movies and still manage to enjoy them and for those of you who don't know emily please explain the Bechtel test
0: so the Bechtel test is a simple test that can be applied to movies where you have to have two named female characters and they have to have a conversation about something other than a man
1: for a
0: minute you would be shocked at what does and does not pass the Bechtel test. Obviously, it is not like movies that don't pass are bad and movies that do pass are good. It's just a way to look at a movie.
1: Right. I mean, you would be surprised. Tons of major blockbuster films do not pass. And it just, it goes to show you that women are not always featured very heavily in movies. And if they are, they usually don't get to talk to each other about non-man things. <laughs>
0: There have been countless studies where men and women relate to male main characters and they'll read books starring a male main character, but only women will relate to a female main character. Like men won't read them. Yeah. Which, hmm. Hmm. (laughs) It's very sus.
1: Literally, our partners who are both men watched this movie and they survived and thought it was good. Kyle loved it. Yeah, like, Fabian also really liked the movie. Just watch it. It won't hurt you. In fact, if you have a woman partner who was alive during this time, you're going to understand them more after watching this movie, for the most part. Mm -hmm. It gives you an insight into what the teenage girl is doing.
0: (laughs) Have you never felt embarrassed at something? If you've ever felt embarrassed about something, you can relate to this movie. Mm -hmm. Do you have human emotions? <laughs> you can relate. Not to mention that I'm pretty sure this is the first Pixar
1: film directed by a woman. Domi Shi. So there's a lot of firsts there. First woman. First Asian American woman. I just think it's really valuable to see her, her perspective too as a teenage girl. You know, not just, you know... A a white girl like us she was Chinese Canadian girl living in Toronto so having that perspective I think is super valuable in a film too because not everything is about white people that live in sparkly town USA
0: (laughs) it's important to consume things about people who are different from you Mm -hmm. it gives you a new perspective so that's that on that let's do our ratings for this movie From one to five, one being the worst, five being the best, how would you rate the acting? So the voice acting. Five. I thought the voice acting was really good too. I'm also going to give it a five. And especially because I thought that the people who did the four town were were really good. (laughs) Yeah. On a scale from one to five, how would you rate the plot? Five. I'm going to give this a four because I thought that they should have expanded a tiny bit more on the mother's relationship to the grandma and how Mm. that relationship affects may's relationship with her mom
1: okay i can agree with that
0: on a scale from one to five how would you rate everything else the animation style the score basically anything that's not acting or the plot also five (laughs) i'm gonna give it a five too i loved how everything looked everything looks so cool and bright and colorful Mm -hmm. and i
1: loved how they kind of and i watched a video about this too this isn't just from my brain but i loved how they like meshed animation styles that are like classic to pixar but also involved almost some like anime inspired animation they had
0: like the sparkly eyes
1: right and like during the quote-unquote fight scene between uh may and her mother as their pandas definitely had some anime-esque elements to it too which i thought was really fun
0: attack on titan theme plays (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's a twitter video edit of her (laughs) stomping around to (laughs) 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 okay simple yay or nay would you recommend this movie
1: yes 100
0: i give it a big fat yay i guess let's wrap this episode up with our weekly k-pop recommendations I'm going to recommend "Egg For Me by Red Velvet.
1: I'm going to recommend Love and Space by Cherry Bullet.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast.
1: You can check us out on Instagram at Soulmates Podcast. We have a link tree there that links to all our relevant social medias, playlists, etc.
0: Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com.
1: Watch some of our videos on YouTube under our channel name Soulmates Podcast.
0: You can find this program pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you subscribe so you can listen to us every other Friday. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye.